Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, August 18th, 2010. Oh, this is going to be a barn burner today. I'm going to wade out into crocodile-infested waters. Yeah, I'm going to begin the program by talking about my take on the um, Ground Zero Mosque. Yeah, I've got a completely different opinion. Some of you are going to weep and gnash teeth, and some of you are going to go, hmm, just hear me out. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which is to help you to think biblically, to help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said on the program today. All right, let's talk about what's on the docket for today. Today, we're gonna, I'm going to begin the program uh, by discussing my take on the um, so-called Ground Zero Mosque. And um, I've got a completely different take than anybody that I've even seen. And the reason why I have the take that I have has to do with the fact of what I'm studying. Uh, you know, I've made no bones about the fact that I am working on my second master's degree and has to do with uh, the parallels between fascism, uh, postmodernity, and the emergent church. And uh, as a result of it, I am, you know, my brain over the past few months has been absolutely chock full of uh, stuff pertaining to fascism fascist propaganda, the way the fascism thinks and operates and what it's done, the irrational philosophy that's behind it. And um, I got to tell you, when um, when I took a look at this Ground Zero mosque thing, and, and you'll notice I've been silent about it. Uh, the reason I've been silent is, is because um, what I expected to find regarding the facts and what I found regarding the facts regarding this Ground Zero mosque uh, two completely different things, and then when you when I when you take a look at the rhetoric that's surrounding this thing, and how that rhetoric is being used to basically fearmonger, demonize, and demagogue on both the right and the left. This is not something that's only on the left. Um, we got there's some serious problems here. There's something wrong. There's something off. And so I want to kind of take you through my thought processes, and uh, and. You know, based upon my research and where I am, how I interpret the uh, the Ground Zero Mosque thing, because it's it's a different take. It's it's a completely different perspective on it, uh, one that I have yet to hear in the uh, in the media. And um, 
well, just bear with me. Now, listen, I could be totally wrong, okay? When it comes to this Ground Zero mosque thing, I could be so far off base that it's just not even funny. And I appreciate the uh, the dialogue that I've had on my Facebook wall regarding the Ground Zero mosque thus far and uh, and the facts that you guys have been forwarding on to me. All of that, I, in fact, all of the links that you all have been sending me so far, I, I have already read or viewed those videos or articles regarding it. And that being the case, um, you know, I, I really kind of see how the public debate is playing out. And what I've tried to do in looking at the Ground Zero Mosque is disengage myself from the public debate and ask some different questions because... Um, you have to understand the kind of thinker that I am. I'm first of all, I'm highly skeptical. Number two, I'm very jaded uh, politically because I've spent work. I spent time as the treasurer for the Republican Central Committee uh, in Riverside County. I, I mean, doing work for uh, you know the 44th and 45th congressional districts and kind of seeing inside partisan politics. Uh, it's it's completely jaded me. Um. And as a result of it, I kind of know there's certain things that I've experienced that make me approach this in a way that's different than other people approach it. But then throw into the mix uh, the fact that I think that there are people who are trying to move us uh, in a direction away from our constitutional republic and that there are particular goals that they have in mind that they're trying to achieve um, when when you overlay that uh, with what I'm seeing play out in this mosque thing, I, I've got a different idea altogether. And um, so all, the only thing I'm asking you to do is hear my case. That's that I you take it or leave it. Um, you know, you don't have to agree with me. I, I like I said, I could be totally wrong. But weigh what I say, weigh what I'm bringing to the table on this uh, on the uh, the mosque thing and uh, see see if there's any merit to it. Maybe there's only some merit to it. Maybe maybe I'm just so far wrong and I'm just completely naive that, um, yeah, that that's you know whatever. It, that, what so that that's what we're, you know when we talk about that. Keep in mind, it's not our normal fare here at Fighting for the Faith. Although a mosque at Ground Zero is uh, well, it, it is a religious topic to be certain. Um, so, you know, it fits within kind of the broader parameters of what we do here. But what I want you to do is ask questions, um, ask the, ask questions that help you to see the bigger picture. And, uh, we'll, I'll kind of work, work, walk you through some of the questions that I had regarding this thing and, and how I've come to at least the, the position that I'm at currently. And again, it's kind of in flux. Um, and then we're going to continue part two uh, today of uh, uh, Scott McKnight's interview with Brian McLaren. We didn't get to that, uh, didn't, didn't get to finish that yesterday, so we'll uh, do a little bit of Brian McLaren. And then our sermon review uh, comes to us via the Summit Church in Irvine, California. The Summit Church in Irvine, California. The sermon is entitled uh, Building a Great Life, and it's uh, preached by Pastor Scott Turner there in uh, Irvine, California. So yeah, that's just gonna not be. It's it, it, that'll be a. It's not a good sermon. No, it's not. But it's important that we take a listen to what's going on because this is the message, apparently, of the seeker driven guys. And it, I'm hearing this more and more and more. And it's obvious he's uh, heavily influenced by Rick uh, Warren, as uh, as you listen to it. And that's important because, yeah, I, this whole Rick Warren Peter Drucker uh, dialectic that these guys use. 
comes into play in pretty much everything on today's program. So with that, make yourself comfortable. Pull up a chair, fuzzy bunny slippers, weather permitting. Adult beverages don't have a problem. If you want to exercise, mow your lawn, all of that is completely fine. Uh, And uh, the only thing I would ask on this first segment regarding the Ground Zero Mosque is hear me out. Because like I said at at the opening of the program, I know I'm wading out into alligator crocodile infested territory there's there's already clear battle lines that have been drawn and people are lobbing grenades at each other uh this mosque thing has turned into some kind of a litmus test both religiously and politically and i i think people are missing the bigger story here okay so with that let's dive into the program and i i won't do any segue uh, music for the segment but um, I've, I've kind of jotted down some notes here and um, as to where I wanted to go. The first question that, uh, you know, this, this whole uh, Ground Zero Moss thing obviously is a huge national story, huge national story. And you, you have either have to have lived under a rock for the past few months, um, have been traveling to the moon, spent some time in outer space, or in a desert a desert island somewhere in the South Pacific, if if you haven't heard anything about the uh, the fervor regarding this um, Ground Zero mosque. Now, what's funny is is that based upon what I was seeing in the media and the stories I was reading and the videos that I was seeing, uh, you know, one of the things I try to do, and and I I don't always accomplish this, but one of the things I try to do before I come to the radio with a story is to make sure that I have my facts straight. I don't mind making a few phone calls. I don't mind um you know doing some fact checking just to make sure that I that that I'm not that I don't speak falsely about somebody. I I think that that I I have a firm belief that the truth is not served uh via lies. I, you just can't serve the truth via lies and deceit and and misrepresentation. I mean the ends do not justify the means when it comes to defending, proclaiming the truth. So with that, um, you know, uh, you know, I was watching all the, you know, the political firestorm over this Ground Zero mosque. And I, I got to tell you, what I expected to find when I started to uh, decide to, you know, see if I can really kind of piece together the facts about this property, who the owners are, uh, how far along in the process they are regarding planning this thing. The thing I expected to find is that 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 um, that this whole thing was far down the line. That you know that that you know that the plans were in place. The architect had been hired. Uh, that uh, you know that uh, that you know that I mean basically that they were near, you know near the end of permitting and all that kind. Of, I expected. It you know, basically, you know, this whole process to be some somewhere way down the tracks. I mean, that's what I expected. Okay, what I found was something completely different. Okay, let me read to you. Um, this is a story from uh, the uh, August eighth edition of the New York Post. The name of the headline is half half baked mosque. Developer only owns part of the site. This is by Isabel Vincent and Melissa Klein, who are uh, uh, correspondents and journalists for the New York Post. 
And uh, this went up on August 8th, 2010. If you want to see the uh, the this particular story, go to nypost.com and in their search uh, feature, type in half-baked mosque. And you can put a hyphen between half and baked. Let me read. <clears throat> Not so fast. The developers of the controversial mosque proposed near Ground Zero own, own only half of the site where they want to construct the $100 million building. The Post has learned. One of the two buildings on Park Place is owned by Con Edison even though Soho Properties told officials and the public that it owns the entire parcel. And any potential sale by Con Edison faces a review by the State Public Service Commission. Quote, We never heard anything about Con Edison whatsoever, said a stunned Julie Menon, the chairwoman of Community Board 1, which passed a May resolution supporting the mosque. Daisy Khan, one of the mosque's organizers, told the Post last week that both buildings on Park Place are needed to house the Worship and Cultural Center, but she claimed ignorance about the Con Ed ownership of 49 to 51 Park Place and referred questions to Soho Properties, which bought the building at 45 to 47 Park Place in 2009. Representative Peter King, who opposes the mosque, said the developers seemed to be, quote, operating under false pretenses. Quote, I wonder what else they're hiding, said uh, King, who is a Republican. Uh, it says, if, if we can't have the full truth on this, what can we believe? Sharif El Gamal, the head of Soho Properties, first came forward in 2006 seeking to buy the empty building at 45 to 47 Park Place, said Melvin Palmerantz, whose family owned the property. Palmerantz said El Gamal eventually raised $4.8 million in cash for the 45 to 47 Park Place. El Gamal paid an extra $700,000 to take over the lease with the uh, with Con Ed for the building next door. The lease expires in 2071. The two buildings were connected years ago. Common walls were taken down and housed at a Burlington Coat Factory store. Con Ed said El Gamel told the utility in February that he wanted to exercise his purchase option in the in his $33,000 a year lease for the former substation. The utility is now doing an appraisal to determine the property value, and it would be up to El Gamel to decide whether to accept the price, the utility said. The price is estimated at $10 million to $20 million. Quote, we are following our legal obligations under the lease. We will not allow other considerations to enter into this transaction, Con Ed said. The sale proposal will go to the Public Service Commission where it could possibly face a vote by a five-member board uh, controlled uh, by Governor Patterson. El Gamal told the Post uh, that his long-term lease was equivalent to ownership and that it even allowed him to demolish the building. Still, he said he was determined to buy the property. The cost is not an issue, he said. The building at 45, uh, 45 Park Place 
had been on the market for years with a sale price that one at at one point was 18 million. It was owned by Stephen Pomerantz, who died in 2006. His widow, Kukiku Mitani, said that she was in debt and desperate to unload the property, even at a bargain price of 4.8 million to El Gamal. She said that she thought El Gamal wanted to build condos, not a mosque, but she but he should build whatever he wants. The website for the mosque. Uh, the website for the mosque and community center project, now called Fort Park 51, says it will be financed with a mix of equity, financing, and contributions. But just $200 in donations has come in so far, according to Amina Mir, he- head of Muslims for Peace, the nonprofit that's accepting the contributions. So they need a lot of contributions, and they've brought in uh two hundred dollars they don't even own the other building necessary to build this big complex and um so far they've taken in two hundred dollars in contributions that's as of um august eighth two thousand and ten then I saw this story. Uh, and I, this is by David Frum from the Frum Forum, frumforum.com. And I was turned on to this story by Molly Ziegler Hemingway of the uh, Christianity Today and uh, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the headline reads, Is the 9-11 Mosque a Publicity Stunt? The Lower Manhattan Mosque has provoked many doubts and suspicions. Here's mine. The whole thing is a phony baloney publicity stunt by a developer in search of project financing. Maybe an old joke about the development industry can set the stage. A developer bursts through the door of an office, bubbling with good news for his partners. Hey, Sheldon, I had a look at, at photographs of an old man, uh, of old man Weinstein's grandchildren for two hours, but we finally got a deal. He agreed to sell us the Maple Street Land Assembly, and I knocked the price down to $20 million. Sheldon answers, that's fabulous news. Great work. Yeah, well, there's some bad news, too. He needs $10,000 in cash. So, okay, bear in mind as you read read the very important uh, report by Isabel and Vincent Klein in the New York Post. Okay, by the way, we just read that one first. The site for the proposed Cordoba Islamic Center is now occupied by two buildings on Park Place in New York. The One, the now famous Burlington Coat Factory, the other an adjoining property that used to function as a Con Edison substation. The mosque developers are often said to to own both buildings, and it turns out not to be exactly true. They do own one building, the Burlington Coat Factory, which they bought in 2009 for $4.8 million. By the way, that's a huge bargain price in Manhattan. Uh, but But Vincent and Klein report that they do not quite own the other. Yeah, that building and the land underneath it are owned by the New York uh, utility uh, Con Edison. The mosque promoters are renting the vacant building for $33,000 a year. But if they want to tear down and develop, they will have to purchase the property outright. So here's how I see it. The mosque developers are three uh, Arab-American businessmen, Sharif and Sami El-Gamel and Noor Musa. They have a partner in Faisal Abdul Rauf. And the, Mus- the Muslim writer and publicist who does most of the talking. But the money and credit pledge to the project belong to the company owned by Mausa and El Gamel's Soho Properties. Soho Properties has paid some $5 million in cash to buy the Burlington Coat Factory building, a building that yields no income. 
They are paying rent to hold rights to the Con Ed building, which also yields no income. All of this in the midst of the worst commercial property slump in memory in an area of New York with a very uncertain economic future. And these are not super rich guys. Sharif El Gamel lives in the Upper West Side uh, apartment purchased in 2007 for $1 million, which, by the way, a, a $1 million apartment in the Upper West Side of Manhattan pretty much is like a studio apartment. Um you can see why Gamel, the Gamel Musa team would be dazzled by the notion that philanthropists in the Persian Gulf might donate $100 million to raise a grand gleaming Islamic center in lower Manhattan. You can tuck a lot of development fees into a $100 million project. And if not a mosque, what else do you do with the two loser properties on Park Place? Yeah, see... From here, he, he's basically pointed something out here. Neither one of those buildings are producing income. And so the guys who run Soho Properties, at this point, they're losing money. So they come up with this big idea for this grand mosque thing with the hopes of, um, you know, folks in the Persian Gulf going, oh, we'll support that. It'll be our big victory mosque. And uh, and so you know, the, he, they're basically expecting big fat cat oil Muslims in the Gulf in the Gulf states to uh, to fork up the money to raise, you know, to basically build this Islamic center. OK. And what happens if that if they are able to do that? Well, then if they're able to do that, then uh, then the guys who run Soho Properties, Gamel and Musa, I mean, they're going to make a truckload of money. You know, how are they going to do it? They're going to pack all kinds of development fees into that $100 million project price. And, of course, I'm sure it won't come in um, under budget. I'm sure it'll be somewhat over budget, too. Anyways, um, so uh, Frum points out the fact that the building at 4545 Park Place had been on the market for years with a sale price at one point of $18 million. It was owned by Stephen Pomerantz. We already talked about all this. So yeah, basically it was offloaded. And you know what? I'll bet El Gamel did, uh, did want to build condos. Then he figured out that he would never hope to sell them. So El Gamel hooked up with Faisal Raouf to find financing to build something else, mosque, synagogue, multiplex cinema, driving range, who cares, whatever. But here's the problem. The more I read about Faisal Raouf and the more I see the very dangerous kind of man, no, not the Islamic extremist kind of dangerous, but rather the kind of guy who can convincingly say, $100 million, ah, that's nothing. I have a cousin in Abu Dhabi who could write a check for $100 million himself. Don't worry about anything. Leave it to me. I'll get the money. That's the easy part. You get the zoning rights. We'll buy you out. All cash. Easiest money you'll ever made. The streets of New York are littered with the carcasses of dead developers who met and believed the Faisal Raoufs of the world. $100 million is not easily raised, not even in Abu Dhabi. Not in the middle of a global commercial property slump, not with the Manhattan real estate market in shambles. Believe it or not, rich people in the Persian Gulf are not yearning to plunge into a U.S. political controversy. So here's my guess about the future. The money will not be found. The mosque will not be built. I have no idea whether the El Gamals were praying men before they met Faisal Raouf, but I bet they're praying very hard right now.
That's from the FromForum.com uh, website by David Frum. So, you know, to kind of cap off where we're at at this point in my take on the uh, on the Ground Zero mosque, when you start pushing uh, and start trying to connect dots when it comes to who's funding this thing, how is it supposed to get built? I mean, all, I mean, when you start connecting all of these dots, what you basically see is it, I mean, this is all smoke and mirrors. It, it, it has the, the smell of a con. Okay, it has the smell of a con attached to it. Somebody who hopes to make a lot of money, who is promising the world and trying to convince people to to jump in behind it, and um, and hasn't got all of the I's dotted and T's crossed. So as a result of it, I you know my question then is is that if this is where we're at right now. Currently, regarding this whole ground zero mosque thing, um, the question that comes to mind is why is the rhetoric as strong as it is when this thing at this point is, I mean, if I were a betting man, I would not put money on the table saying that that mosque is going to even be built. How were they going to raise the $100 million when, as of a week ago, they had raised $200? How do they pl- – I, mean, I mean, who in their right mind wants to basically uh, wade in and write a check for $100 million for this cultural worshiping Islam center uh, in the Persian Gulf. I don't see any fat cats bellying up here. So this led me to the, you know, to basically come to the conclusion, wait a second, the rhetoric on this issue is so far ahead of the facts that, that at this point, what I think is happening is that people are exploiting and demagoguing this proposed flimsy proposal at best 9-11 mosque thing in order to uh, promote and move forward a political agenda okay because when you look at the details of this thing it's like i mean these Good luck. I, I I doubt that this is this thing is even going to be able to get the funding necessary to move forward. And then when you look, just look on Google Maps. Okay, go to Google Maps, type in Ground Zero uh, New York on Google Maps, and then just look two blocks north of uh, of the Ground Zero complex. You'll find Park Place. And then you know, zoom in to the point where you can kind of get that street level view uh, for uh, for Google Maps, and take a look at the buildings. Take a look at what's out there. Okay, now people are you know, listen. There's a mosque that's just two blocks north of this, and it's been there since the 1970s. There's already a mosque near Ground Zero, and they, 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 no one's worried about that. But see, the way this whole thing is being pitched, um, there's another issue at stake. I don't think the mosque is the goal. 
not the way this is being spun politically. The mosque is not the goal. Repeat after me. The mosque is not the goal. And the reason I come to this conclusion is let's run a worst-case scenario, okay? Let's pretend for a second that uh, Faisal and Rousa, uh, Moussa, and all those guys, uh, you know, I'm messing up their names. Uh, let's, let's say that uh, they find some rich oil uh, sheik in Saudi Arabia who thinks $100 million is chump change, I mean 10% of a billion, that's nothing, and decides that they're going to write a check for the entire amount and fund the whole thing, and that they're able to purchase the building they don't own from Con Edison without any burps or hiccups. They're able to purchase that, raise the two buildings down to the ground, and then put in this grand mosque. Let's just pretend that this is, you know, just work with me here, okay? Um. So, so, and, and, and by the way, let's, let's also pretend in this worst case scenario that the entire time, the entire time, those people who've been saying and suspicious of the fact that what they're trying to do here is to build a big conquest mosque, you know, a mosque of conquest and triumph. And that's what this is, that this is really, uh, you know, they're, they're lying about it being a community and worship center, that that's just a euphemism, that their goal really is to build a, a, a triumph mosque on Ground Zero's property with the idea that Ground Zero doesn't just it isn't just the area where it says ground zero on the map but ground zero is to to really literally be defined as any place within uh, lower manhattan where debris from either the airplanes or the world trade center or any of the other buildings actually fell and so because of the fact that uh, you know uh, that landing gear from one of the airplanes actually went through the roof of the burlington coat factory that that means that uh, that to all of the world, uh, this area two blocks north of Ground Zero is still considered part of the greater area known as Ground Zero, and and that this is sacred and holy ground. So work with me on my worst case scenario. So the people they're, they're lying. They really are trying to in, you know put together this Triumph Mosque. Uh, that's really what they're all about. And that once it's built, Osama bin Laden himself is going to pick. The imam who will be uh, who will be doing the religious teaching and leading prayers there at this uh, at this uh, Ground Zero mosque. That Osama bin Laden himself is the one who's going to pick the imam, and that uh, the, and that uh, unbeknownst to uh, the general public, that this that when the mosque goes up, when this new cultural mosque center goes up, that it's also going to include minarets. That are that are shaped in the in the form of something that looks suspiciously like middle fingers, being you know basically being stuck up into the you know with, with that particular gesture and being pointed at and, and the middle fingers will be strategically aligned in such a way that they're pointing at uh, both the Pentagon as well as uh, the uh, the official Ground Zero site. So I mean, and that um, and that once you know once the uh, prayers begin. And the teaching begins, and once the imam chosen by Osama bin Laden is put in place, that messages of hatred against the West, against Christianity, against America will be the center of all of the teaching at this mosque. That 
from day one, it's just going to be America, you're evil, you're a bunch of uh, Western infidels, we're going to destroy you, you we're going to subjugate you under under Sharia law, we hate you, I mean, and that, that's really the whole goal, is, is, and that's, when that's what's going to be uh, preached there. And to top it off, that once it gets put in place and the imam is teaching there and the prayers are happening, that Brian McLaren of the Emergent Church will claim that as his church home. Okay, so worst case scenario, once all of these things happen, so then here's the question I have, okay? What was won? And who won it? What What did they win? Okay, and what did we lose? Okay, the reason I'm asking the question is several reasons, okay? Just answer the question. It, once this this hate mosque goes in place with the middle finger looking like minarets, uh, with the imam chosen by Osama bin Laden, uh, with the hate-filled messages and Brian McLaren as a uh, as a full communing uh, member of their uh, fellowship, um, once that happens, again, what exactly was won, and who won it? You could say, well. Islam won a symbolic victory against the United States. Okay, sure. They won a symbolic victory against the United States, and they have their victory mosque. Hooray. Yet it's two blocks north. It's actually on the third block. Uh, it's two blocks north of the official uh, Ground Zero complex, and you can't even see it. Even after it's built, you won't be able to see it from uh, the Ground Zero memorial that's going up. It, I mean, it's, it'll be blocked by the buildings that are adjacent to Ground Zero. You won't even be able to see it. They won't even be able to see Ground Zero from their windows. Um, it'll be a 15-story complex, and the buildings in front of them are 15, 18 stories tall, too. Uh, so, I mean, yay, it's a symbolic victory, and boy, that's great. But here's the deal, okay? A um, couple of things to keep in mind. Number one, okay? That if that's really what happens, then this won't really be some kind of a long, sustainable victory, even symbolically, for Islam. And the reason why is because if that's really what they're trying to accomplish, then it'll be evident to every peace-loving American, whether they're Muslim, atheist, Christian, Buddhist, or whatever, that these guys were nothing but a bunch of liars. And uh, And their hatred will be evident to everybody they'll be despised because of their duplicity it'll be evident to everybody so it won't really it'll, it'll be a symbolic victory but it'll be short-lived if you know, psychologically if you know what i mean um but then well, uh, will it really have been a victory because here in the united states the constitution says in the first amendment um that congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government. Okay, So the, the Constitution makes it clear that in the United States that people have the right to practice and exercise the religion of their choice. So, I mean... They really wouldn't have won anything there because um, they would have just, you know, pretty much had what they already had, and that's the freedom to practice their religion any way they want. And you're saying, yeah, but Chris, you said Osama bin Laden picked the the uh, imam, yep, and that they're preaching nothing but hate, yep. 
how is that any different than uh, Westboro Baptist? As long as they're not blowing people up and murdering American citizens, um, they have a right to worship God any way they want to or any false god they want to. So it wouldn't even be a, 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 first, a first Amendment victory because, I mean, that's really not the thing that's even being discussed here at this point. So when I asked the question, what, you know, what was won? What was, what was the big victory? Okay. This idea of a, some kind of a symbolic victory against the West, as far as I'm concerned, seems so ridiculously shallow of a victory that I don't really see, uh, you know, people lining up to, uh, to pay that $100 million necessary to build this thing. Which then kind of leads to the other issues. And the other issues have to do with how this is being played out in the media. Because I think that's where the real goal is. I don't think the goal, uh, remember, remember when I said the mosque is not the goal. I think there's a different goal. Okay, I don't think the mosque is the goal. Repeat after me, the mosque is not the goal. No, as I study this thing and I study the, 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 where this thing is really at, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt the mosque is not the goal. I think there's a different goal in mind. And uh, we're going to have to take a break and uh, come back to it. So if you want to find out what I think the goal is, you're going to have to stay tuned. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is uh, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Hello, I wish to register a complaint. Uh, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about the sermon that I purchased a day ago from this very boutique. Uh, yes. Uh, what, what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. It's a dead sermon. That's what's wrong with it. No, not possible. You just preached it wrong. Look, matey, I know a dead sermon when I preach one, and I know that the sermon I preached yesterday was certainly dead. Jesus Christ wasn't mentioned once, not even in the footnotes. No, no, you just weren't charismatic enough. Remarkable sermon, beautiful imagery. The imagery don't enter into it. It's stone dead. No, 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 no. You're just not open-minded enough. All right, then. If it's not dead, then I should be able to preach the gospel. I read a portion of it. Ahem. And then the camp counselor told all of the woodland creatures to become more righteous so that they, too, could get to the place called heaven. You, you see what I mean? This is ridiculous. There. 
I found the gospel in the sermon. No, you didn't. That was you just writing the word gospel on the cover of the room temperature sermon. Well, I never. Yes, you did. I, I never, never did anything. This entire sermon fails to preach anything that's worth anything to anyone. Now, that's what I call a dead sermon. No, no, no. You haven't looked deep enough into yourself. You must be joking. Yeah, well, you're just being divisive, and you refuse to accept the message that's being presented. Um, now, look. Now, look, mate. I've definitely had enough of this. That sermon is definitely rotten. And when I purchased it not but a day ago, you assured me that it was Christ-centered, cross-focused, and filled to bursting with the gospel. Well, if you would just read the title. Read the title? What kind of title is this anyway? Super Spiritual Happy Fun Friends Adventure Camp Pack. Well, this particular sermon is designed to draw large audiences, and that's what you said you wanted. It has lovely imagery. Look, I took the liberty of examining this sermon after I preached it, and I discovered the only reason why I bought it in the first place was because it had been put into the wrong sleeve packet. Well, of course it's in the wrong package, sleeve. If I hadn't put a less suspicious cover on the sermon, you'd have had people chasing you just so that they can hear you preach it. Chasing me down the street? Mate, listen, people wouldn't be chasing me to hear this rubbish if I was firing midgets out of cannons. It's bleeding demise. You didn't buy the midget cannon expansion pack? The sermon has passed on. The sermon is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to me and its maker. It's a stiff. Bereft of life, it burns in hell. If you hadn't put it in the wrong package sleeve, I would be using it for Firestarter. The thought processes that brought it about are now history. It's off the twig. It's kicked the bucket. The bleeding choir invisible wouldn't listen to this sham. This is an ex-sermon. Uh, well, well I, I'd better replace it then. Let's see. Uh, Christ-centered, uh, gospel, Jesus... Uh, uh. Well, sorry, Squire. I've had a look around in the back of the shop, and, uh, well, we're right out of well, whatever it is that you're looking for. I see. I see. I get the picture. I, I got a sermon here from Rick Warren. Does it contain Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice? Well, no, not really. Well, that's hardly a replacement, is it? Look, if, if, if you're really dead set on the whole Jesus thing, I suggest that you look up Pirate Christian Radio. All they do is talk about Jesus 24-7. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pirate Christian Radio... Very well, I'll give them a try. Dr. Rod Rosenblatt discussing the church's need for world-class scholarship and the unique way in which the British academic model offered at the Wittenberg Institute can help provide you with a top-level postgraduate theological degree. Christians are dependent on good scholarship in a way that sometimes we forget. Think of Tyndall House in England. Some of those evangelicals were so ruled away from the big table conversation in the Church of England that they had to develop graduate training under particular guys who had a high view of Christ and a high view of Scripture. Over the years, they did marvelous stuff with individual young scholars who came there to be trained. So what's the difference between the European model and the American model? The European is used to saying things like, I studied under so-and-so. And the American, uh, that's pretty foreign. And I'm not here talking about the diploma mills. I'm talking about somebody who is tutored, something like Oxford or at Cambridge, and uh, walked through graduate work. If you would like more information about the Wittenberg Institute's British-styled research master's degree, then visit them on the web at wittenberginstitute.org forward slash PCR or call them 
at area code 425 533 8659. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. back warning the rhetoric regarding this mosque doesn't even remotely make sense considering the facts regarding the real estate need to remind you all fighting for the faith is listener supported radio that means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring fighting for the faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, uh, <clears throat> I made an executive decision, and that decision is, is that I'm going to keep this program on the singular topic of the mosque. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Brian McLaren, and we'll review that sermon uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's edition of Fighting for the Faith. This is not Friday light, but... Um, you know, I want to, I really want to kind of continue to explore this and to make sure I flesh out the topic properly. That being the case, the, this entire program will be nothing but the mosque issue. So, so to recap where we've been, um, you know, up, up to this point, we've taken a look at the, uh, the news articles that deal with the fact that the owners of this property have got a long, long way to go before they, before this thing could even potentially even be built, and uh, where they are in the process. Um, I mean, at this point, the rhetoric doesn't even make any sense. But that being the case, uh, you know, I I started to turn the corner and kind of, you know put it into the worst case scenario. I said, okay, let's let's create a hypothetical worst case scenario. People out there are concerned that. These guys are lying, that really that's what they're going to build, that, that this idea of a Muslim worship center or prayer space is just code words for Muslim mosques. So I granted all of those premises and everybody's fears regarding this mosque and said, okay, here's, you know, the, all of the all of the people out there who are concerned that we're being lied to, 
and uh, all that kind of stuff. And this is, the, you know, that you know, I granted them their premises were being lied to and the mosque gets built and uh, Osama bin Laden picks the imam and they preach nothing but hate. And I ask the question, who won? In other words, so what? I mean, the issue here really comes back down to a principled question. And, you know, and I am absolutely convinced that the way the rhetoric is going, the mosque is not the goal. There's another goal in place, but it's going to take me a little bit more to kind of flesh that out. So with that in mind, we're going to continue to discuss the mosque issue and, um, it, yeah, so we've talked about, okay, that, you know, it's a symbolic victory at best. Um, it wouldn't be a First Amendment victory uh, because they already have a First Amendment right to this stuff. So um, what we're going to do now is I'm going to kind of sample rhetoric on both the right and the left. I, I'm, I'm not picking on any particular side because the rhetoric on both sides really seems to be inflammatory in certain areas and and we're we're just going to do some discernment work we're going to ask some tough questions cuz these questions need to be asked and the and I think at the end of this process when you hear all these different things you're going to realize oh okay so we're not really dealing with a true principle what we're dealing with here is something else in fact you know to kind of lay it onto the table the, what I think is happening here is we're seeing a, a dialectic, a, you know, like a Hegelian dialectic of thesis, uh, antithesis, and synthesis being played out in the media by particular folks. And there's a stated political, there, well, an unstated, an unstated political goal in mind. This, I think, is being played out and exploited in order to manipulate public opinion in the United States in a particular direction that is a direction away from the Constitution and away from religious freedom. But I'll have to build that case as we go. So our first sampling uh, comes uh, from uh, the Bill O'Reilly program, the O'Reilly Factor. And um, he's going he's to throw it, basically throw liberals under the bus, but I want you to pay attention to his own hypocrisy, and I'll point that out as uh, as we go. So here is uh, Bill O'Reilly from the O'Reilly Factor, obviously somebody from Fox News who supposedly represents the right or some kind of informed middle. Hi, I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching us tonight. You're a bigot if you think the proposed mosque near Ground Zero is inappropriate. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. Here's the question. How does the far left survive in this country? How? That crew is so hateful, so harmful to the nation, it's amazing they have any platform at all. If you oppose gay marriage, you're a homophobe. If you want to secure a southern border, you are anti-Hispanic. And now, if you think building a mosque two blocks away from ground zero is inappropriate, you are intolerant and anti-Muslim bigot. Yeah, oh, <clears throat> now, I want you to pay attention to his argument here, okay? The idea here is, is that... His basic argument, what's his big thing against the mosque? It's inappropriate. It's unwise. This isn't a discussion at this point in the media anymore about constitutionality, private property rights, religious freedom. Now this is just degenerated into, well, it's not appropriate. It's not wise. Now I'm going to show you in just a second 
how this is the very argument that if we don't stand principally will be used against us. But let's continue. Yesterday, NBC News led the way in branding opponents of the mosque as bad people. Okay, now he's going to play a montage. Uh, Leading off the montage here is Bill Press, a liberal pundit. I've met Bill Press. Oh, man, what a liberal nut job. Yeah, he. I when I was in college, I uh, I was in charge of a student organization called Students United for Reformation, and uh, we invited uh, Bill Press to to represent liberalism in a debate where the topic was "Is God a liberal?" And uh, at that point, he was a KFI radio personality, and so we brought him out to debate. I can't remember the the conservative guy anymore. He's no longer John Stewart. I think his name was. Anyway, fa- fascinating debate, and uh, let's just put it this way: uh, Bill Press did not disappoint. But here's Bill Press. Listen to what he says, and I, I want you to answer a couple of questions as we're listening to these uh, sound bites here. Okay, one of the things I've noticed is that there's people who are concerned that the agenda is the promotion of Islam. Well, here's the question. Okay, do you think uh, Bill Press is uh, here to promote Islam? Do you think he's a closet Muslim? Uh, I, you know, I don't think so. Um, uh, wh- what is his agenda then? Is he here? T- is his agenda to defend the religious, you know, to defend the Constitution? The guy hates the Constitution. Uh, so, you know, listen carefully. What what's the agenda of these folks? This is all about religion. And the opponents, there's only one reason, only one reason to oppose this mosque. And that is to paint Islam as an evil religion. Some Okay, now stop. Did you hear that? There's, according to Bill Press, there's only one reason why you would oppose the mosque. It's because you, you paint Islam as an evil religion. Now, is that really the only reason? There's only one reason why anybody would be opposed to the mosque is because they want to paint Islam as an evil religion. Well, that's that's a complete gross reduction, reductionism of of what's happening here. So the question is, why would he say such a stupid, irrational statement? Why would he make such an outlandish and patently dumb claim? Answer: Because we're seeing a dialectic process being put out there in order to manipulate public opinion. And move it in a particular direction. And that direction is not towards constitutional liberties and freedom, but toward a different way of, of you know, thinking altogether. So, you know, again, Bill Press is no lover of the Constitution, no defender of constitutional liberties and rights. He's a rank liberal socialist. So he's not there to defend Islam or promote Islam. He's using this topic to exploit it in order to move his political agenda forward. Now, same with the rest of this litany of uh, liberals. So as you're listening, just, you know, again, ask yourself the question. I mean, are these people, is their agenda, you know, the, the, the Islamization of the United States? Is their agenda that, to put the United States under Sharia law? No. These, these people have a political agenda. People in the Republican Party and others are, you know, labeling all Muslims in this country to affect as terrorists. Somebody's got- okay. That was Anita Dunn, former Obama advisor. Um, got us to say that. 
Here's Nora O'Donnell, NBC News correspondent. You know, we're not going to act like the people who stole freedom from Americans, the people who attacked America and killed 3,000 people. We've got to let this end in terms of fighting over religion. So we've got to let this end and stop fighting over religion. Stop fighting over religion. That, I think, is the key phrase. Let me back this up just a smidge. Listen to Nora O'Donnell. Here we go. 3,000 people. Gotta let this end in terms of fighting over religion. Yeah, that's the issue. That's the agenda. The agenda is not the mosque. The mosque is not the goal. The, at this point, the rhetoric, I mean, they're exploiting this issue to move a, a political agenda forward. And that political agenda it involves ultimately in the long run the curtailment either voluntarily or legally in the future of religious freedom and religious speech we need to get and that's if you read the comments and blogs and and different places around the internet this is what people are talking i'm i'm sick and tired of all this religious extremism and debating religion and stuff like that see bill press is making the top the issue religion Nora O'Donnell, the issue, the problem is religion. These people are using this in order to attack religious freedom. That's the goal. That is the I that's the real issue. And so what they're doing in order to manipulate public opinion, they're using a dialectic process of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And the 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 speech on and both the right and the left is so outrageous that the the normal everyday middle American person is going to hear this stuff and go, well, I, I don't hate Islam. I, I don't want to be in with that group. I mean, that's ridiculous. And so it'll manipulate their thinking in another direct, in one direction. And then another extremist position comes out on the opposite. And then I don't want to be in that. And so what's happening is, is that people's thoughts, attitudes, and opinions are being manipulated by the media. I'm saying both right and left on this. I don't think there's, I think they're both complicit in this for political ends. And if you think for a second that the right, that that you know the the conservatives you know in in the American right are are at this point defending the Constitution and standing principally, you've got another thing coming. I'm going to play some audio for you that shows that those on the political right end of the spectrum are not being consistent with the principles they claim they're defending. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's continue with this uh, with. Um, Bill O'Reilly, I want to point this out. So according to Ms. O'Donnell, an NBC News correspondent, not an analyst, if you object to the mosque saying it's inappropriate... Notice the swipe at her. He's he's demonizing her. Oh, she's a correspondent. She's not an analyst. Slap, slap, slap. And you're acting like the Al-Qaeda killers. Can you believe this incredible nonsense coming out of NBC News? Can you believe it? What I can't believe is that People that the rhetoric regarding this issue has gotten to this point and is this far out of control, considering the facts regarding the real estate and the fact that the folks that own the building don't even own the building next door. I mean, they've got so many hurdles and miracles that have to happen before they can build this thing. I can't believe that this has become the focus of of national and international discussion. The New York Times today frames the issue this way, quote, President Obama showed his understanding 
understanding of the Constitution and his respect for the American people last week when he defended the right of a Muslim community group to build a mosque, unquote. Hey, New York Times, what about respecting the feelings of those who lost people on 9-11? What about that? <clears throat> now, what I'm about to say is really difficult to say. President Obama, even though he's inconsistent, grossly inconsistent when it comes to uh, constitutionality of things, in this particular case, the rhetoric he's using is principled because it points back to the Constitution. What Bill O'Reilly just said is that, hey, what about the feelings of the people who's, who lost their uh, what about respect for the feelings of those who lost people on 9-11? Listen more. You see what's happening here, ladies and gentlemen? The far left will never debate the merits of the issue. They simply attack and begin branding their opponents as racist, bigots, and un-American. Um, but Bill O'Reilly is doing the same thing to the people on the left. He's not really debating the facts. He's, in a sense, demonizing them. Let's get right down to it. There are thousands of Americans who lost loved ones on 9-11. Many of these people feel a Muslim display so near the attack zone is hurtful. Okay, now stop. L listen to the argument. Many people who lost families on 9-11 feel a Muslim display so near the attack zone is hurtful. That's, the, that's your best, the, the best that you got. Well, here's the problem. This is a subjective argument. This is a subjective argument, and if and what is at stake is religious freedom and liberty. The Constitution guarantees that these Muslims have the right, even though I don't like their religion at all, even though it's a very unpopular religion, even though I think Islam is is a false religion. And is demonic, and Allah of of Islam is not a real God, and that those who worship Him are are worshiping Him falsely, and they're trapped in a false religion. They are enslaved to basically demonic doctrines, if you would. That's my opinion of Islam, and I'm not backing off from it. That being the case, though, here in the United States, the Constitution promises, basically, grants the right of of religious freedom, as long as the Muslims in this country are not engaging in terrorist activity blowing people up or plotting to uh, you know to murder people in mass they're not breaking any laws and they have the right to worship god the way they say they the way they see fit that's what the constitution guarantees so basically the argument at this point if you think about it discerningly is basically this we need to quote suspend these Muslims' right to practice their religion on their private property because it's not wise, because their practicing of their religion would be hurtful to some people. Folks, if we grant, if this is the way we're going to fight this, then this exact argument. This is the sword that people that we've just created that people will then use to take away our religious liberties and freedom. Let me explain. Imagine, if you would, a year from now, a year from now, 
um, Proposition 8 ultimately gets overturned by the Supreme Court, and Kagan was the uh, the swing vote that made it possible. So uh, homosexual marriage in every state in the United States has to happen immediately in any state that would oppose or, or write laws or change their constitution to deny homosexual marriage. Uh, just like the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, that's uh, you, you can't do that anymore. You can't do anything to... Uh, prevent homosexual marriage, just regardless of how distasteful it is or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, homosexuals have the right to marry. And along with that, okay, is a public sentiment that those pastors and preachers who are preaching the biblical gospel and are preaching what the Bible says about homosexuality unflinchingly, saying that it's a sin, Christ died for that sin and calls homosexuals to repent of homosexual sins and be forgiven through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. That that message is now deemed hurtful. That message is now deemed, well, in the opinion of the American people, as an unwise and hurtful and, well, distasteful Um expression of religion and therefore well what we need to do is uh, that, that we need to have police officers and others you know, plain clothes officers sit in on churches and any pastor who on private property uses his religious freedom and freedom of speech to preach a hurtful message against homosexuality risks having their entire church shut down. Okay, because what we're basically arguing here at this point is that the men who legally own that private property on Park Place, do they should not have the right to exercise their constitutional right to freedom of religion on their own private property because it's hurtful, unwise, and distasteful. A year from now, that argument is going to be used against Christians on their private property to suspend their constitutional rights to proclaim the biblical gospel and what is truly sin based upon this idea that preach particular religious messages preached on private property under the guise of religious freedom is hurtful, unwise, and distasteful and out of touch with the sentiments and feelings of the American people. You get it? We're being played. We're being played. And if we're going to be inconsistent and basically say that, listen, there's a huge difference between the mosques that's four blocks away from Ground Zero, which has been there since the 1970s. There is a block, there's a mosque four blocks away from Ground Zero. It's two blocks away from the proposed mosque or re cultural Muslim religious worship center mosque um, it, that's, uh, that's supposed to go up on Park Place. There is currently a mosque. People meet at this mosque two blocks away. 
And and here's the argument, though. There's a difference because the Burlington Coat Factory, well, the it's considered part of ground zero because uh, the landing gear from uh, one of the airplanes that was flown into the World Trade Center went through the roof of the Burlington Coat Factory. Therefore, it's within the debris field of the attack, and it's inappropriate to build a mosque there because it was Islam that dist- that, that uh, brought the buildings down. Okay, well, also within the debris field, and I checked this today, I purposely went back on the Internet and looked at the photographic archives of the 9-11 attack and the debris aftermath of, you know, where did the debris fall from the World Trade Center? And the street that this mosque is currently at, which is four blocks away from the World Trade Center, um, they had debris from the World Trade Center on that street. I mean, there was ash, there was papers, there was uh, little bits and pieces and chunks of, uh, uh, of, uh, of the World Trade Center on that street after the attack. So technically, there already is. If you're going to define ground zero as anywhere where the debris from, uh, from the World Trade Center landed, then technically, there already is a ground zero mosque. It's already there. So the question then comes in, what makes the next two blocks closer to the World Trade Center so sacred, such hallowed ground, that to allow another mosque to go up that much closer, um, that that's so repugnant that we must make it so that those two blocks fall within a zone where constitutional Rights and liberties and freedoms must be suspended. The argument is, uh, is it because it's hurtful, distasteful, and unwise and out of step with the thoughts and feelings of the American people? Well, if that's the case, then it's just a matter of time before you hearing and preaching the gospel on your private property will be considered hurtful, distasteful, and unwise, and your private property and your religious freedoms should be suspended because they're out of touch with the the, the feelings of the American people. If you're going to make turn this into a subjective argument that if somebody's if if people's feelings are going to be hurt, then we have to suspend constitutionally guaranteed rights and freedoms, then your constitutional rights and freedoms will be taken away in the near future based upon subjective arguments. We're being played. Let me uh, give you some more examples of that here. Nancy Pelosi today, uh, the headline from the Huffington Post reads, Nancy Pelosi questions opponents of Ground Zero Mosque. Now, question... A couple of questions. Is Nancy Pelosi a Muslim? No. Is her goal the Islamization of the United States? No. Is her goal to have Sharia law forcibly imposed on the citizens of the United States? No. She's a progressive socialist liberal. Her goals have nothing to do with the goals of Islam. 
So listen to her. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday called for a probe into the funding of efforts to oppose building a mosque and an Islamic community center a few blocks away from Ground Zero in New York City. There's no question that there's a concerted effort to make this a political issue by some. And she's not making it a political issue by calling for a probe into funding efforts to oppose building a mosque? So she's demonizing those who would contribute money because they are exercising their rights to express their uh, lack of support or, you know, complete no support for this uh, mosque, their opposition to it. And so now she's calling for a pr- for them to be probed. I, I think she's... um. She says, I join those who have called for looking into how this opposition to the mosque is being funded. So you're going to be investigated now, politically. You're, (laughs) I mean, at this point, I mean, uh, will there be warrants issued? So people's right to privacy are, are going to be completely thrown out the window and they're going to be treated as criminals without even so much. None of their legal rights are going to be defended. Instead, they're going to be assumed. You know, they're going to they're going to be criminally investigated for opposing the mosque. The mosque is not the goal. In both cases, the way this dialectic is being played out, the thing that is being chucked out the window that nobody's paying attention to are our constitutional rights. Really, the most powerful member of the United States Congress can capriciously call for a probe and a criminal investigation of people who oppose something, and she claims that people have turned this into a political thing. Yet she's the one who's acting politically. You see what's going on here? We're getting played. The rhetoric and what how people are exploiting this issue, they're exploiting it in such a way that our constitutional rights and liberties are the things that are being thrown out the window and nobody's even so much as squawking about it. Our eye is off the ball. Let me uh, <clears throat> let me continue some more. Joe Scarborough, by the way, who is not a liberal. Joe Scarborough, who's not a liberal, he's even picking up on this because, well, Newt Gingrich's rhetoric has been, let's just say, anything but making sense. It's highly political. It's as political as Pelosi. And Bill Press, here's here's Joe Scarborough uh, reacting to um, Newt Gingrich. The folks who want to build this mosque, who are really radical Islamists, who want uh, to triumphantly prove mm-hmm. that they can build a mosque right next to a place where 3,000 Americans were killed by radical Islamists, those folks don't have any interest in reaching out to the community. They're trying to make a case about supremacy. Nazis don't have the right to put up a uh, sign next to the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington. We would never accept the Japanese mm-hmm. putting up a site next to Pearl Harbor. There's no reason for us to accept a mosque next to the World Trade Center. 
Did you see what Newt Gingrich said? I really hate to repeat this. I hate to give him oxygen. I really do. His comments have been so inflammatory. I am surprised by so little in Washington, D.C. But even when I see comments that Gingrich has been making lately, I just gasp going, what? What is he doing? This sin. Yeah, Scarborough's asking the right question because Newt Gingrich's comments are as inflammatory as Bill Press's, as uh, Nancy Pelosi's. And do you, here's a question. Do you think Newt Gingrich, that his agenda is the Islamization of the United States? Do you think that Newt Gingrich's agenda is that the United States would be forcibly uh, submitted and subjugated to Sharia law? What's his agenda? His agenda is political and his argument isn't consistent with the Constitution. He's basically giving us some kind of a, an emotional reason why we should suspend somebody's constitutional rights. It's a horrific statement across the world. One yeah. of the great ironies is the people who are doing this mosque, this community center, want to develop an American version of Islam that competes around the world with the Wahhabi, with the Saudi intolerant version. Of now, I don't know if that's true or not. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not one who believes that there's a such thing as a moderate Islam. Islam. So this issue now is being watched around the world to see whether Muslims in America have rights, have opportunities that Muslims in lots of other countries don't. So this has actually become an important aspect of our, our battle for the hearts and minds, the battle for hearts and minds in the Muslim world and whether there can be an American version of Islam that is more open and tolerant. This quote is, is stunning, and I would say stunning and irresponsible. We've descended to one of the lowest points in our politics over the past five, ten years. New Gingrich is nothing more than a political pyromaniac putting gasoline on fires that don't even exist. And he's not only doing it here in the United States, when his comments... Yeah, he's not the only one doing it. And again, I am... I don't think people, these people are acting without an agenda. I think there's an agenda. It's read and translated around the world. He is doing it in places where we might have the potential to cement or, or build a friendship in Muslim nations. I am feeling further and further distant from the people who are running my party and never more distant than this morning when I wake up to read what Newt Gingrich, a guy who's leading in a lot of presidential preference polls across the country, had this to say. This would be like putting a Nazi sign next to the Holocaust Museum, I don't know where to begin. Okay, to suggest that someone trying to build a, a tolerance center for moderate Muslims in New York is the equivalent of killing six million Jews is stunning to me. This is madness. There are elements of our party, Mark, that are marching through the fevered swamps of ideology. And I say that as an intense hard uh, hard charging small government conservative okay yeah something's wrong here we're being played principles have been shoved to the side and ideology and agendas are what's governing there's a dialectic in play and we're being played 
And the thing that is at stake are our very constitutional and religious liberties. The reason why is because principles cannot be selectively applied or ignored. Because when you selectively apply them and ignore them in other cases, they they basically become impugned. You're not really governed by them. You only use them when they're convenient for you. And what's happening? The United States is being torn apart. You've heard the old adage, divide and conquer. Well, we're being divided over something that doesn't even make sense that we're being divided over. And for what? For whose agenda? And what's at stake? Religious freedom and liberty. That's what's at stake. And the arguments that are being put forward by people who are supposed to be defenders of the Constitution and principled positions are the very ones who are arguing subjectively or arbitrarily and capriciously. And if you take their arguments and flip them, then what happens is is that those are the very arguments that will be used against us to take away our religious freedoms and liberties. This is suicide. This is absolute suicide. I would rather have the mosque go up and be able to maintain my religious freedom and liberty to preach the gospel. Because mosques don't scare me. Muslims and their rhetoric of, we hate you and we're going to overthrow you and take you over and we're going to subject you to Sharia law, doesn't intimidate me. I serve a crucified and risen Savior who is the one true God, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And there's no way in Hades that the gates of Islam are going to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ if the church of Jesus Christ would get off of its keister, stop watching these political pundits, and go and preach the gospel. We're being played. Let me um, give you one more example of how we're being played. And this is from yesterday's Glenn Beck program. Here's uh, Glenn Beck. They never call. They never write. They never call. Don't you love me, Barack? Hello, America. I have a special treat for those of you who really, really want that ground zero moss to go up. It's going to be fabulous. They have a right to build it. I think we all know that. Okay, listen to what he said. They have a right to build it. I think they all know that. Isn't Glenn Beck the guy who's taking America back to our founding fathers, back to the study of the Constitution and the Federalist Papers and the writings of of the Church Fathers of Thomas Jefferson Samuel Adams, George Washington, and the like, then that's the issue. Our founding fathers gave us religious freedom and liberty and gave us the right to do with our private property as we see fit and to worship the God that we want to according to our conscience on our private property as we see fit. If Glenn Beck were consistent, then he would be arguing for that. But he's not. He's At this point, he's going to selectively 
apply the Constitution. Why? Well, because there's a lot of conservative Christians out there who, well, I hate to say it, they're, they're, they are victims of fear-mongering at this point, and they're being distracted away from the thing that really needs to be the focus of their attention. If we preach the gospel, Islam is not a threat to us. And this country is founded upon the idea of you have the right to worship God as you see fit. I don't like Islam, but I will, as an American citizen, defend their right to practice their religion because Christianity is people don't come to Christianity through coercion. Unlike Islam. So we give people the right to worship God as they see fit and we give our citizens, the right of freedom of speech, and we create the marketplace of ideas. We go out and we proclaim the gospel in the marketplace of ideas. And what's at stake here is the loss of the marketplace of ideas and the loss of freedom of religion. That's what's at stake here. And ironically, it's the conservatives right now who are going who are creating the sword that we're going to have our heads cut off with and our religious rights taken away from us. Listen to Glenn Beck. But now let's talk about the wisdom of building it. The president first came out firmly in favor of it. Then he used his stern, let me be clear, voice. And uh, he said, oh, 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 and then he wouldn't talk about the wisdom of it. Why not? It doesn't really take a rocket scientist to see... Maybe this isn't the best idea. I mean, do you have a right to tell your wife, man, that dress really does make you look fat, honey? Yeah, but it wouldn't be wise for you to do it. Do you have a right to say that homosexuality is a sin and that homosexuals need to repent and be forgiven of their sins? Yeah, you have a right. But it really wouldn't be very wise for you to say that. But you do have the right. Anyway, let's take a look now at some of the people gathering around and saying, you know, I think the president might be right. Who agrees with building the mosque at ground zero? Now, by the way, this is, this is a logical fallacy that he's going to engage in here. It's called poisoning the well. It's a red herring type of argument, if you would. It doesn't matter who agrees with the president. Okay, the question is, is the president right? It, are the principles that he's defending the correct ones? And should we say, yep, that's right? But watch what Glenn Beck is doing here. He's basically using a form of a logical fallacy. And I got before I play this, I want everybody to know this is absolutely galling to me to have to correct Glenn Beck and point out the fact that he's being inconsistent with his claim of wrapping himself in the Constitution, uh, and at this point making it sound like I'm defending Barack Obama, a man whose politics I cannot stand, this is absolutely just galling for me to do. But it must be done. At ground zero. <laughs> I love this guy. He's just the senior leader of Hamas. Here's what he said. 
We have to build mosques as you are allowed to build uh, church and the Israeli are building their their uh, holy places. We have to build uh, everywhere. If in every area we have mm. Muslims, we have to pray. And this is, is this this mosque is the only site of of praise. That's the only place. That's the only place they can do it. By the way, have you ever been to Israel? Because I have. It's really interesting how one group of people seem to be erasing all of the other religions. Maybe it was just me. Nothing says building bridges to me like the leader of Hamas. Am I right or am I right? No, you're not right. This is a red herring argument. That's great. You have Hamas and the president in lockstep. <laughs> That's great. And I can't really get past the fact that the president was lecturing us on the Constitution and religious freedom. Okay, now listen to this. Don't let this point escape you. At this point, Glenn Beck is going to play a soundbite from the president of the United States, Barack Obama, basically acquiescing to the fact that the Constitution of the United States gives the people who own this property the right to practice their religion as they see fit on their private property. As much as I don't like Barack Obama, Barack Obama's right. That's exactly what the Constitution guarantees. And rather than saying, you know what? I'm glad that the President of the United States is making a principled stand on the Constitution. In the past, he's been inconsistent with this, but in this particular case, he's right. This is exactly what the Constitution says. Glenn Beck basically says, oh, he's been inconsistent in the past. Why should we believe him now? And continues with his opposition to the mosque. If Glenn Beck were consistent with his principles... He claims to be the defender of the Constitution and of the founders and their intent. If that were the case, then why isn't he recognizing that what the founders intended is that the people who privately own their property should be able to practice the religion that they see fit on their own private property? And that includes the folks who own this property and want to put up their little Muslim worship center. The religious freedom and property rights are granted to everybody in the United States, not just Protestants or Mormons. Religious freedom. In case you missed it, grab some popcorn because it's really good. Go ahead. Watch. Let me be clear. Yeah. As a citizen mm -hmm. and as president, I believe that Muslims have the right to practice their religion as everyone else See? in this country. Yeah. I hate to say this, Barack Obama's right. Not because I'm a liberal, because I'm not. Because that's exactly what the Constitution guarantees us. It's the right to build a place of worship in a community center on private property in lower Manhattan in accordance with local laws and ordinances. This is America. And our commitment to religious freedom must be unshakable. Okay, before Glenn Beck comments, okay, before Glenn Beck comments, at this point, he's going to, cons Glenn Beck is going to continue his opposition to the Ground Zero Mosque, the so-called Ground Zero Mosque, 
based upon a subjective argument rather than saying, you know what, even though I can't stand Barack Obama's politics and he's been absolutely inconsistent when it comes to enforcing and defending and upholding the Constitution, he's right in this matter. That's really the thing that should be the thing that unites us all. That's correct. We as Americans hold it as a value that people have the right to practice the religion of their choice according to their own conscience and that they cannot be denied that freedom as long as they obey the laws of the land. And what I mean by that is that religion doesn't involve them blowing up people as an expression of their religion. Then they have the right to practice their religion. Glenn Beck has been, you know, who claims to be the defender of the Constitution, is capriciously, at this point, arbitrarily um, not paying attention to what the Constitution says. What's his agenda at this point? He's surfing a conservative wave. But conservatives can be wrong just as much as liberals can be wrong. And at this point, this whole argument is subjective, not objective. And it's as galling as it is, it's Barack Obama who's pointing to an objective standard that we Americans are all supposed to subscribe to. That's it? You're not going to play the ending? Man, I hate that. Well, I bet it has a scary ending, but I'm not sure. He's a stickler for that Constitution thingy, isn't he? <laughs> Let me tell you. I remember when he was trying to get health care passed. Remember what he said about the Constitution? <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time worrying about what the procedural rules are in the House or the Senate. Procedures, procedures, what's the difference? Who cares about procedures when you're talking about the Constitution? Blah, 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 blah. Notice that Glenn Beck is being hypocritical. He is not being consistent. Constitution, Constitution. First Amendment, Schmerst Amendment, who cares? I don't care if they have a First Amendment right to do with their private property as they see fit and to, as long as it abides by local laws and stuff like that. No, <laughs> we're going to deny them their constitutional liberties and freedoms because it's not wise. That's the very argument that people will use against Christians in the future when they take away our religious freedoms and liberties. Stop preaching the gospel. I don't care if you have a religious right to say the things you're saying on your private church property. It's not wise. It's hurtful. Blah, 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 blah. He had bigger fish to fry, like passing something that a lot of people think is unconstitutional. This president and his administration seem to be slightly out of step with the average American. You know, those people who are just bitterly clinging to their God and their guns. There's the argument. Well, see, he, the, the president, Barack Obama, is out of step with the people of the country. So when the people of the country decide that they're not going to tolerate any more pastors who proclaim homosexuality as a sin, then they have to acquiesce to the sensibilities and subjective feelings of the people of the country, despite the fact that the Constitution guarantees them the right to practice their religion as they see fit. If they really cared so much about religious freedoms, 
then why, may I ask you, I'm going to puzzle for a minute. I'm going to puzzle and puzzle until my puzzler is sore on this one. Why did the Obama administration, a mere five weeks into his presidency, officially state their intention to rescind a Bush-era regulation called the Freedom of Conscious Act? That. Well, what does that mean? Now, this is a red herring argument. People watch Glenn Beck to find out what he thinks. Well, Glenn Beck is opposed to the Ground Zero Mosque. I thought he cared about religious freedom and liberty. I thought he cared about private property rights. I thought he cared about the Constitution. Why is he being inconsistent? Because that inconsistency is the very thing that will end up destroying us. And it's the very thing that's dividing us. And that's what the agenda is. Division. Divide and conquer. The dialectic is being used. We're being played. This, the rhetoric surrounding this issue is completely worlds apart from the facts of the case. And people with political agendas, some peoples have as their political agenda in this particular case, not because I'm a conspiracy theorist am I saying this, but because they said so. They publicly, openly make their argument this way. Some of the people who are exploiting this agenda, this this issue, have an agenda to scrap the U.S. Constitution and to replace national governments with a global socialistic state. And therefore, as a result of it, the Constitution has to be undermined. Religious freedom and, and freedom of speech have to go. And they, those people are using the dialectic in this way to move us towards the idea where, you know what? <sighs> yeah, I'm sick and tired of all this religious extremism. We need to do something about it. We, I'm, we've given uh, people the right to have religious freedom, and this is where it's got us. A bunch of squawking and squabbling and, and arguing and blah, 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 blah. I'm sick and tired of it. And I'm willing to uh, forego some religious freedoms if it will shut people up. And at this point, it's the conservatives who are laying the foundation for that. Because their argument, oh, he's out of step with the, uh, the emotions and feelings of the American people. He's out of step. Uh, he, 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 it's not wise. It's, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's hurtful. Yeah, that's the exact argument that's going to be taken, and we're going to be beaten into submission with it. Stop telling me about Jesus being the only way. That's hurtful and unwise of you to say. I don't care if you have a religious freedom or not. We're going to take that away from you. And that's exactly what's happening. The dialectic is in play. We are being played, and it's time for people to wake up. I'm not interested in a political agenda. I'm, a, I'm interested in preserving the right to preach the gospel. It's a little bit easier to do so when you can do it without threat of imprisonment or bodily harm. You want persecution? Then keep going this way because that's where it's going to end up. We're going to end up in a place where we will not have the freedom to proclaim the gospel unless we're willing to face imprisonment or or physical and bodily persecution and harm. 
Why? Because we've taken our eye off the ball. The ball is the gospel, not politics. You want to fight Islam? Then preach the gospel. I don't care if you oppose the mosque or not. I don't care if they're lying to us and that they're really going to put a mosque in place and it's going to be a hate-filled center of terrorism. I could care less. So what? Tell me about the people who are preaching Christ and him crucified for our sins in lower Manhattan. Who are they? Who are they? I want to meet them. I want to help them. I want to support them. And if there's nobody there doing it, have you considered being a missionary for Jesus Christ to lower Manhattan? You want to make a difference? You want to oppose this mosque? Then stop fighting it politically. The weapons of our warfare are not earthly. They're spiritual. We've been given a gospel to preach. And it's through the preaching of the gospel that Christ, Jesus himself, raises people from the dead, whether they're Muslim, atheist, agnostic, or heretic. It doesn't matter. Stop wasting your time on this mosque and try to find a way to support the people who are preaching Christ and him crucified for our sins in lower Manhattan. That's how you fight the mosque. And that's how the kingdom of God is advanced. We are being played. And it's just absolutely a tragedy, absolutely reprehensible and disgusting in my mind that those people who are supposed to be defenders of freedom, defenders of the Constitution and principles, are the ones who are arguing subjectively and have chucked their principles out the window in order to oppose this mosque. That will come back to bite us, and it's time for us to call them on it. But in the meantime, preach Christ and him crucified for our sins. Muslims don't scare me. If they want to kill me, then let them kill me. That's not the worst thing that can happen to me. And it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is that Christ Jesus would throw your carcass into hell for all eternity. And that's where those people are going. And I love them enough to tell them the truth. And I thank God for the fact that right now I have the freedom to say that. But that freedom is going to be taken away from us if we continue to selectively and arbitrarily decide, pick and choose when our freedoms should be applied and when they should be denied. And that's what's happening here. The dialectic is in play. Our freedoms, our religious freedoms are under attack and you don't even see it. And that's what's at stake. I hope I made my case. I hope you understand. And I apologize for doing politics on this program. But in this particular case, religion and politics are all intertwined. And I know I have a different take than anybody else. And it's principled. If you disagree with me and you think that the mosque shouldn't be built, then explain to me why the two blocks between the current mosque and the new mosque is so holy that it must mean a, that the constitutional freedoms and liberties have to be suspended within those two blocks. Give me a solid argument for why that's the case, and not based on subjectivity. Because keep in mind, the most holy ground in the world, 
the most holy ground in the world, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. There is no temple to the one true God there. Sitting on the Temple Mount, the most holy spot in the world right now, is the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's a tragedy. It's a blight. It galls me. But you know what? The world continues to move forward. I seriously doubt the two blocks between the current mosque near Ground Zero and the new mosque that's being proposed is so holy that it must be protected at all costs from having a new mosque put in there that it's even more holy than the Temple Mount itself. Do you get what I'm saying now? Preach the gospel. Because it was on the mountain that the temple is built on. It, that is the mountain where Abraham went when he was told by God to sacrifice Isaac. And God intervened and spared Isaac's life and said that he would provide the sacrifice. And ultimately that sacrifice was provided on that mount because on that mount where it is said that God will provide, God did provide. And what God provided for us wasn't a politician. What God provided for us wasn't a constitution. What God provided for us was Christ and him crucified for our sins. He shed his blood on the foot of that mount in Jerusalem where the temple used to stand. The holiest mountain in the world right now is captive to a mosque. We can survive. We can survive a mosque being built within two more blocks of the World Trade Center. That's not our problem. We need to preach the gospel. My, again, my question is, who is preaching Christ and him crucified for our sins in lower Manhattan? Show me those guys. I want to talk to those guys because they're the ones who are really making a difference. They're the ones who are really fighting the mosque. And you know what? The mosque isn't even the thing that's on their mind. The thing that's on their mind is the proclamation of the good news of Christ and him crucified for our sins. We're being played and shame on us for allowing this to happen. If you're going to be principled, you need to be principled all the time. Those principles must guide you. And you must not be capricious or arbitrary in your application of those principles. If you are, you're every bit as guilty as any liberal or any anybody that you despise politically. I mean, isn't that the complaint against liberals? Oh, they're bleeding hearts. Oh, the bleeding heart liberals. Yeah, they don't even know how to think. Well, in this particular case, I'm seeing the conservatives being bleeding hearts and being stupid. All right, I've beaten that one to death. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.